Welcome to Legacy Church. Thank you for joining us in our journey to see our potential in Christ become a legacy in our community. We hope that you are encouraged by this word from Pastor Chad Owens and pray that you will walk away with something incredible from your time here with us. I just want to say something about the Christmas open house just to to make sure that everybody understands. That's December the 6th. That's going to be at our house. And so we're going to have some desserts. We just want you to come by and have some desserts and hang out for just a little. You don't have to stay all night unless you want to. And then if you stay all night, I'll have to charge you rent. Um, but if you, want to, if you want to just come by and have some desserts, it's just a time for us to fellowship and just be together. So that's going to be at our house on December the, the 6th. I think it's at 630. So just put that on your calendar because we'd love for you to just stop by that evening and just hang out with us. And so raise your hands one more time if you're thankful. Raise them up high. That you're thankful this morning that you are here, that, that God has allowed you to be here this morning. I want to talk to you this morning for just a few moments about the attitude of gratitude. Last week I mentioned that, um, that if you look hard enough that, uh, at your current situation, it's not hard to find some negative things that may be happening in your life. But after I thought about that, I thought about this. But I also have a choice to look at my current situation And I also have a choice that I can be thankful, that I can be grateful. Why? Because the Lord has blessed me tremendously. Now, I can look at the situation in a negative way. I can look at the situation in a bad way. But I also can choose to look at it in a a positive way and realize that I can be thankful and grateful regardless of what's happening in my life right now. Why? Because the Lord has blessed me. The Lord has done so much in my life. The Lord has done uh, tremendously more than I will ever deserve in my life. So I have a reason to be thankful this morning. I have a reason to be grateful. We're coming into the Thanksgiving season where we're supposed to be thankful, right? We're supposed to be thankful for the things that we have. And unfortunately, sometimes that, that, that Thanksgiving, that thankful heart is only during Thanksgiving. But it should be throughout the whole year. It shouldn't just be a time that we come in in the fourth Thursday, I believe it is, in, thank, in, in November and show our thankfulness. But it should be every single day. Why? Because if you stop and look at your life, again, you can, t- you can write all the bad things that are down on your life and you can write all the good things that are down in your life as well. But you can choose to be thankful no matter how bad your life is. You can choose to serve God with thankfulness and with gratitude and be grateful and understand that God is doing some incredible things in your life. In our ever-changing world, there's always going to be something that comes out that's going to be better than what you have. Technology. You, look at, you, look, you go out and you buy a new cell phone. Well, in two days, there's another one out. And you're like, well, I just bought this one. And before long, you'll, you'll get tired of this one and you'll want something else. That's kind of the way our life is. We get tired of certain things in our life. Why? Because things are always changing. Things are always happening in our life. And so the question is, we're always willing to change with technology. We're always willing to change with culture and by how we dress, 
Just think about that for a moment. You go back over the years when there was in the 60s and the 70s, and you see how people dressed, and you're like, well, and, and then in the 80s and 90s where all the ladies wore their hair like this high, and it was all about, you know, white rain hairspray and killing the ozone and all that kind of stuff. And you look now, it's, it's changed so much. And so we're willing to change with culture. We're willing to change with technology. But somewhere along the way, we stop changing with our relationship with God. It's like we get to a certain point and we're like, okay, well, that's good enough. I'm not going to move past this point. But God wants you to continue to change. He wants you to continue to move closer to Him, to continue to understand that it is Him that has given you what you need and what you have in your life. So we need to be thankful. We need to understand that it's okay to continue to change. We change technology. We change in culture. But somewhere we stop changing in our relationship with God. We stop growing. It's like we, we, we reach a point and we're like, well, this is, this is enough. I, I've never been this place before, so I'm going to stop right here and, and I'm just going to stay here. And God says, don't stop there. Keep moving forward. Keep searching after me. Why? Because you've, re, you've, you've experienced something in God here, but understand when you go to the next level or you go to the next phase in your life, there's always going to be something better that you experience in there that you haven't experienced here. And that's what God wants, is for us to continually change in our relationship and what's happening around us. There are times in my life, I'm, I'm just going to kind of be very honest with you, and, with you this morning. There's times in my life where I'm not grateful. There's times in my life that I, that I struggle with not being grateful. That look at things and I go, well, you know, there should be, God should be doing more in my life. I should be having, I should have more in my life up to this point. And, and, I, and, I, and if I'm not careful, I will sit there and I will be ungrateful with the things that I have in my life now. And that's what the devil wants me to do. He wants me to look at it through an, un, through a, an ungrateful heart. Why? Because when I look at it through an ungrateful heart, I don't appreciate the things that I have. Because I'm always wanting something different. I'm always wanting something different. I'm not grateful. I'm not, I'm not happy. I'm not, you know, I'm not thankful. Why? Because I gotta, I'm always wanting something different. And I'm not talking about my relationship with Jesus because I always want something more with God. But I am talking about other things in my life. I can look at my life and go, man, God, is, I've got this. I've got a home. I've got a roof over my head. I've got heat. If I pay the bill, I have air. If I pay the bill, I've got water. I can walk over to the sink and I can turn the water on. And guess what? Water comes out. I have a warm bed to sleep in. I can go to my cabinets and I can pull food out. Now, it may not be uh, the steak and baked potatoes, but I've got something to put in my belly. So I can look at that situation and, be, and, and think of it negatively, or I can look at my situation and go, God, thank you that you have blessed me with these wonderful things, and may I live a heart of gratitude that, that displays out of my life. It may not be the house down the street. You may not have the cars that your neighbors have this, down the street, but you're able to walk out and get into your car and go to work and provide for your family. So we have every reason to be thankful and grateful, but too many times we are not. We're not. But God is calling us to live, to have an attitude of gratitude. And so I want to talk to you this morning about that, about being grateful. Why? Because when I learn to be grateful, 
When I have an attitude of gratitude, here's what I learn to understand that. That what God has given me is enough. I'm not talking about my own personal relationship with God. I'm talking about the things that God has placed me in my life is enough. That He's enough. That He is enough in my life. That I don't have to search for all these other things that are around me, but that God is enough in my life. We sometimes get into this mode where, where you know, we, we, we want more stuff and we think that's going to make us happier. And, and, hap- and having more some stuff doesn't always make you happy. You see, the, the reason for our happiness is that we've learned to be grateful. That we've learned to be grateful where we are. Look at our lives. Look at the things that we have and understand that. God has tremendously blessed us and to be grateful in our life. Contentment and happiness and being grateful is a choice. It's not something that automatically happens in your life, but it's a choice. I mean, I'm going to look at this morning in, in Philippians chapter 4. And I want to look at verses 10 through verse 13. And I want to talk about Paul's life here for just a few moments. And understand that Paul had to make some choices in his life. Verse 10 says this, it says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know that what it, what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all of this through Him who gives me the strength. Paul is talking about thankfulness. He's talking about being content. But he's also talking about complete and understand that the reason why he's complete is because he has a relationship with Jesus. And he understands that no matter where he is in life, whether he's got a full belly or he's got an empty belly, he's learned to be content. He's learned to be content in his life. So number one, I want to share with you, I got three things this morning. Last week I had eight. So you're doing good today, and I only have three. Number one is this, and I want you to see it this morning. Number one, Paul was thankful. Paul was thankful. Verses 10 and first part of 11, it says this. It says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need. Paul had a situation. He was in a moment where he had a need in his life. And he wasn't saying that I'm thankful that you took care of my need. But what I am thankful for is this. It says that you are actually doing what Jesus called you to do. That's what Paul was rejoicing in. You're being like Jesus. In other words, you see a need and you're filling that need. And that's what Jesus does. Paul's not be, he's not thankful that they gave to his need, even though he was in need. He's thankful. Why? Because they're acting like Jesus. They're being like Jesus. They're giving to someone who has a problem or has a need in their life. So Paul was thankful. Paul was very thankful. He wasn't, um, he wasn't ungrateful or unthankful for the gift, but he was very thankful and he was very grateful. The Bible says that he rejoiced. When was the last time that you rejoiced 
because you were thankful? When was the last time that you rejoiced because you were grateful? Sometimes the reason, the, the only reason why we rejoice is because our need has been met. And understand this morning, regardless if your need is met or not, Jesus still give, deserves your praise. He still deserves your praise, whether you have a full belly or you have an empty belly. He still deserves your praise. So Paul was rejoicing. Why? Because the church of Philippi was filling a need. They were being the church. They were taking care of those that were in need. He was thankful because they got it. They understood. They, didn't, they were not just listening to the message, but they were actually doing the message. You see, you come in here, we, we sit in here every Sunday, and we hear a message. The question is, are we doing the message? That's where it matters, is that we hear it absolutely, because it strengthens us, it helps us to understand where we are, and it gives us vital information in our life. But the, the other side of that is this, you got to do the message. So Paul was very thankful. The Bible says that I rejoiced. Think about that. He was in prison. But he was rejoicing because the church was being the church. They were doing what he had explained to them to do and how he explained to them how to live. He was thankful. Why? Because they were being like Jesus. Paul was thankful and grateful because they were learning. Listen to me. They were learning to be givers. You can never outgive God. You can never outgive God. And when you learn to be a giver, when you learn to step out and you give to God above your 10% and your other your offerings that you give, step back and watch God bless you. Why? Because you're a giver. You're a giver. You give of your time, you give of your money, you give of yourself, you give of all these different things in your life. And so what Paul's thankful for, and he's rejoicing, is that they're learning to be givers. They're, just, they're, they're giving. They see a need and they feel it. They see a need and an opportunity and they step forward. So he's thankful that they're learning to be givers. You see, God, uh, godly, living, or godly giving actually does more for the giver than it does for the one who receives. See, when you learn to give, God does more in your life than he will in that person's life. Why? Because you're learning to give. You're learning to be a giver. You're lear- and listen, you guys are givers. You guys are absolutely wonderful givers in your life. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that you're here. I'm thankful that you're a giver. I'm thankful that you're out in the community sharing your faith with other people. Why? Because you're being the church. And there's nothing that excites a pastor's heart than watching a congregation that he has the opportunity to shepherd over to see them in communication with other people and giving into the community. There's nothing that excites a pastor's heart than see a church that just that steps out and gives and, and feels a need and, and that's, that's around them. So Paul was thankful, not because, they, that because he had of a need and they gave to it, but he was thankful. Why? Because they were learning how to be like Jesus. Number two, Paul was content. Paul was content. In verses 11, uh, the second part of verse 11 at 12, it says, it says this. It says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. 
I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul has learned to be content. You see, understand this morning, contentment isn't something that you're born with. It's something that you learn along the way. You're not born with contentment. You learn it along the way. And Paul was saying, listen, I have learned to be content. I have learned to understand that where I am right now, I'm okay with. Why? Because my God will take care of me. He learned to be content. He had to learn how to have that, that attitude. He had to learn how to have that in his life. You see, contentment is not something that comes naturally. Paul says it, I, have lear- I, had, I had to learn to be content. This is what happens naturally in our life. Naturally, we begin to compare ourselves with others. In, in the world that we live in now, which is so different than 20 years ago, with social media and all the other stuff that you used to have to communicate with those people to see what's happening in their life. Now all you have to do is hit a button and you can see all their pictures. You can see all their kids growing up. You can see all the things that's happening in their life. And sometimes if we're not careful, we will live a life of comparison to what they're having. And we think that my life is not like theirs, so I don't live a good life and I don't have enough. But Paul says be content with the things that you have. Be content in your life. So don't compare yourself to others. Don't compare yourself to the neighbors down the street. Don't compare yourself to your family. What has God given you in your life? Be thankful for what you have in your life. So naturally, we always want to compare ourselves to others. Naturally, we always want more than what we have. Right? Go back to the very first moment in the Garden of Eden. God told Adam and Eve, You can have everything in the garden, everything, except one thing. One thing, and guess what? That was the one thing that they wanted. They had everything. They had everything that was in front of them. All they had to do was stay away from that one thing. But for some reason, they wanted that one thing. They were not happy with everything. They wanted that one thing. So we naturally, we always want more. We're that type of people. We're born and bred that way. we got to have more. Well, John down the street's got a new boat. i got to go out and buy a new boat. Well, Susie down the street's got a brand new car. Well, I can't let her outlive me, so i got to go get me a new car. We're always comparing. We're always wanting more. And listen to me. The more stuff that's in your house, the more stuff uh, that's in your garage, you can't take it with you. So it doesn't matter how much stuff that you have in your life. What matters is, do you have a relationship with Jesus? That's the only thing that matters. Is that when you stand before the Lord, you're not going to say, Hey God, look, look at my toolbox. It's full of tools. Whatever you need, I got it, God. He's going to say, what did you do with my name? What did you do with my service? So all the stuff that we have, we, we always want more. Why? Because that's the world we live in. Got to have this, got to have that, got to have this, got to have that. And so I'm not, listen, I'm not saying that having things is bad. But what I am saying is be careful that you're not focused on stuff. But learn to appreciate what you have now. Be grateful and thankful with the wonderful things that God has blessed you with now. So we always want more. And another thing that comes naturally, and you don't have to raise your hand on this, but we complain a lot. We complain a lot. That's natu- that's, that comes naturally, right? 
well, it's hot, it's cold, the music's too loud, the pastor's speaking too long, the, the music is, it, it, we, we complain all the time. We're not just happy that we're here. We're not just happy that we have a church building, but there's some, again, you can look at the situation and you can always find something to complain about. Always. Always. Listen, I, I may have said this to you before, and, I, and I've wondered this because I've, I've read this before. I wonder if he took away all the chairs, he turned off all the electricity, the heat and the air, all the stuff, take all the stuff that we have here, take it away. I wonder, would we come to church and worship? Because a lot of times, well, they don't have the stuff. They don't have the lights and they don't have the smoke machines and all that stuff. That stuff is, listen, I have no problem with that. But what I'm more concerned is, is where is your relationship with Jesus? Because all the other stuff will go away. The only thing that will last is my relationship with Jesus. And so we learn to complain. These are just things that, that I thought about this week that, that, we, that naturally comes to us. But Paul said, listen, I had to learn how to be content. Contentment is not natural. It's something that you learn over time. Even though Paul was in need, he was content where he was. Paul learned that when he, when he had a need, he didn't go out looking for the answer somewhere else. He didn't stop trusting in God, but what he learned was he was content in the moment because he knew who, what God would do for him in his life. He knew God would take care of him. He'd already seen it time and time and time again in his life. So he learned in that moment, you know what? I'm going to be content where I am right now. Why? Because I know God's going to change the situation. I'm not always going to stay here, but he's going to do something different in my life if I keep trusting him. He was content. He was okay being with, in, in prison. I will worship you, God, in prison. I will worship you, God, on the mountaintop. I will worship you with an empty belly. God, I will worship you with a full belly. It doesn't matter. We still deserve to worship God and learn to be content with where we, where we are in our life and what God's given us. And then I thought about the three Hebrew boys. When they said this statement, it says, and when he's talking about to King Nebuchadnezzar, he's, they said this, I know that my God is able to save us from this fiery furnace, and I know that he will. But if he doesn't, I'm okay with it. That's contentment. That's living a, content, a life that is full of contentment. I know that my God will save me from this fiery furnace, but if he doesn't, I'm okay with that. Why? Because if he saves me, that's wonderful. But if he doesn't save me, guess what? I'll spend an eternity with him. Either way, I'm going to win. It's not, a, it's not a terrible situation. You're going to win anyway. So they were content in that moment. Paul learned to be content over his life. It's not something that naturally comes to us, but we learn it along the way. There are moments where Paul had it all, and there were moments where Paul had nothing in his life. My contentment isn't based on my possessions or my circumstances. It has nothing to do with my, my possessions or my circumstances. Contentment is an attitude. I'm going to look at my situation and go, you know what, God? Thank you. Thank you for what you've given me in my life. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 8 says this. It says, but godliness, and what's the next word? With what? Contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food, and we have clothing, will we be content with that? I didn't bring anything into this world, God. And I definitely can't take anything out of this world. But I have food, and I have shelter. And will I be content with that? Will I be content with that in my life? Because Paul says you got to live a life of contentment. He learned to be content. 
no matter what was happening in his life. You see, Paul gives instruction to Timothy, and he tells Timothy that, uh, that we started with nothing, and then we're going to end with nothing. And so what he's telling Timothy is this. Timothy, the most important thing in your life, son, because he was raising up Timothy, because one day Timothy was, was going to go out on his own, and he's going to go plant churches, he's going to go preach the gospel, but he's telling Timothy in that moment, Timothy, everything you need, son, is in Jesus. Everything you need for this, this journey is found in God. So whatever you're looking for, look to Him. Whatever you're asking for, ask Him. Don't go find it somewhere else. But everything you need, Timothy, is found in Him. He was content. He was telling Timothy, the most important thing in your life, Timothy, is to be content and having a relationship with Jesus. You see, when, we're con- when we learn to be content and to be generous, and when we learn to share, we honor God. And we're sat- that satisfaction comes into our life. We honor God. Why? When we're generous and, and when we're giving and we learn to be satisfied because Jesus is everything that we need. He's teaching me that all that, he, that, all, all that I need in my life is Him. All that I need in my life is found in Him. Paul says in verse 12, he says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. See, some of you understand that part. You've been there before. There were moments where you had nothing, and there was moments where you had more than you needed. So you understand that. Paul knew what that was like, but he was content whether he had everything or he had nothing. Because contentment is not based on your possessions or what's happened in your life. Contentment is based on who Jesus is and, that, and that, that we need to be thankful for the things that God's given us in our life. And the last thing is this. Number three, Paul was complete. Paul was complete. Verses 13, it says this. I can do all of this through him who gives me the strength. In other words, I can get through this moment. Why? Because I have God living in my life. I can get through this situation. Why? Because I'm learning to rely on Him and not my own strength. I'm not relying on somebody else, but I'm learning to rely on God. So so Timothy says, I can get through this. Why? Because my strength is found in God and no one else. So again, hungry, well-fed, it doesn't matter. My strength comes from God. Paul realized that the most important thing in his life was this, his relationship with the king. That was the most important thing in Paul's life, was that his relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, there's a story in 2 Samuel about a, man, uh, uh, a young man named Mephibosheth. Say that several times. Mephibosheth, who is the grandson of Saul, who is the son of Jonathan, who was David's best friend. If you've read the story, you will understand that Mephibosheth was, was crippled. He was born crippled. And instead of, uh, instead of being killed by David, why? Because the common practices in that time was when a new king would come into reign, they would go out and they would kill anybody that they felt threatened by from the previous generation that they thought that they may take their kingship. They would go out and they would kill them. They would wipe them all out. Well, David didn't do that. He didn't do that to Mephibosheth. But, in, but what David did was he, he asked Mephibosheth to come to sit around his table and to eat of the things that the king had. 
And David was going to give him lands that belonged to his grandfather when David didn't have to. But you see, there was, a, there was this riot that came up, and David had to go into exile. And during this time, Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, stayed in Jerusalem with, and Ziba, with, with Ziba, the manager of his household. But Ziba comes to David with supplies and gifts, and he plays up to the king. And in 2 Samuel chapter 16, it talks about Ziba and what Ziba said about Mephibosheth and why he stayed in Jerusalem instead of coming to the king. In other words, Ziba threw Mephibosheth under the bus. He said, the reason why he didn't come is he doesn't like you. He didn't want to come share anything with you, so he stayed at home. David, hearing these words that Ziba said, he was very angry. So he took every, he ordered everything that was going to go to Ziba and to Mephibosheth. He ordered everything to go to Ziba and not Mephibosheth. But in 2 Samuel chapter 19, verses 24 through 30, it says this. And I want to read it to you this morning. Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, also went down to meet the king. He had not taken care of his feet or trimmed his mustache or washed his clothes from the day that the king left until the day that he returned safely. When he had came from Jerusalem to meet the king, the king asked this question. Why didn't you go with me, Mephibosheth? He said, my lord, the king, since, uh, since I, your servant, am lame, I said, I will have a donkey saddled and I will ride on it so I will go with the king. But Ziba, my servant, betrayed me. And he has slandered your servant to my lord, the king. My lord, the king is like an angel of God, so do whatever you wish. And my grandfather's descendants deserve nothing but death from my Lord the King. But you gave your servant a place among those who eat at your table. So what right do I have to take any more appeals to the King? And the King says this, why say more? I'll order you and Ziba to divide the land among yourself. And Mephibosheth said these words, let him take everything now that my Lord, the King, has returned safely. The only thing that Mephibosheth cared about during that time was this, was his relationship to the King. He says, you can take it all. You can take all the land. You can take everything that you're going to give me. I don't even care about that. All that I care about is having a relationship to the King. None of the stuff matters to me, King. Take it all. All that I want is to have a relationship to the king. So my question to you is this. What's more important in your life? Having a relationship to the king or having stuff? What's more important to us? Having a relationship to God or having stuff? Because you can take all the stuff away today. You can come take my house away. You can come take my cars away. You can come take my, drain my bank account, which is not going to take very long to do. You can take it all away from me. But you know what's going to last? Is my relationship to the king. And that's all that matters. That's one thing that you can't take from me. You can take everything else from me. But that's the only thing that will last, is my relationship to the king. And Mephibosheth understood that. He says, I understand. You, you could have killed me. You could, have gave me, you could have done all of these things, but what's important to me, King, is that I have a relationship with you. So Paul 
was content and he was thankful and he was complete. See, Psalms chapter 73, verses 25 and 26 says this. It says, whom I in heaven, whom I have in heaven but you. And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You can take it all. You can take everything that's in my life, but the only thing that really matters is my relationship to the king. When our, when our relationship is anchored in Jesus, understand this, then we're complete. That's what Paul says. I can do all these things because God has given me the strength. He understood that his life was anchored in God. And that no matter what happened in his life, shipwrecked, imprisoned, beaten, hungry, fit, no matter what happens in his life, he understood one thing. As long as I have my relationship with God, that's all that matters. That's all that matters in my life. You can take all the other stuff and get rid of it. Nothing else matters except for my relationship with Jesus. James chapter 1 verses 4 says this, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I can do all of this through Him who gives me the strength. An attitude of gratitude, that's what Paul had. That no matter what his circumstances were in his life, he understood to be grateful and thankful and to learn to be content wherever he was in his life. This morning, I want you to just bow your heads just for a moment, if you would. We're going to pray and we're going to dismiss you. We're going to have some wonderful food in just a moment. But understand this this morning. The most important thing in your life is your relationship to the king. It's the most important thing in your life. And when we understand that, when we understand that my relationship is grounded in Jesus, that my life is anchored in Him, no matter what happens, no matter what I face in this life, as long as I put my trust in God, everything will be okay. Everything will be okay. Why? Because He's my source. He's my source. Is Jesus your source this morning? Is he the one that you, were, that you rely on most? Is he the one that you go to the most? Is he the one that you realize is the most important thing in your life? I love my family. I love my kids. But my relationship with Jesus is more important to me in my life. Because when, I, when my relationship with Jesus is where it needs to be, then I will be the father that I need to be, and I will be the husband that I need to be. Because everything is grounded in Him. An attitude of gratitude. Are you thankful this morning? I know we have our aches and our pains and we have all of these things, but we can still live a life of thanksgiving and be grateful for the wonderful things that God's given us in our life. I want you to stand with me this morning and we're going to dismiss in prayer today. In the words of Mephibosheth, you can take it all, King. It really doesn't matter. What matters is that my relationship with you 
is where it needs to be. God, today I pray for every one of us today. God, that we can look at our current situation and we can find things wrong, God, but we can choose also choose to look at our situations and realize how blessed and how thankful we are. So, God, that's what we choose to do today as a church, as an individual, is to live a life of thanksgiving towards you because our life is anchored in you. And we're thankful for that this morning, Jesus. take a moment this morning and just search your heart. Just search your heart. If there's some things that you need to pull out and give to Jesus, just do that this morning. Because I can tell you, no matter what you face in your life, He's big enough to handle it. His shoulders are big and His hands are strong. Whatever weight you put upon Him, whatever burden you throw upon Him today, He's able to carry it. He's able to give you the strength to make it through that moment in your life. As he tells Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. So God, for every one of us in this room, whether we're going through a moment now of crisis or whether we're, you know, maybe things in our life are good right now, God, no matter where we are, God, we give you praise and glory and honor because you deserve it. Thank you, Jesus. He's good, guys. He's good. There's not a moment in my life that I've discovered that God isn't good. But there's times in my life where I've discovered I can't make it without Him. And that when I learned to lean on to Him or lean into Him, out of nowhere, I realized that I can make it because of Him. So God, we thank you for this day. God, we ask you to bless this time. As we leave this place or whether we hang around for food, God, I pray that you would continue to bless us and continue to use us greatly. But may we remember today, Father, that we're thankful and we're grateful for the wonderful things that you've already supplied to us in our life. Bless us, keep us safe, and we give you praise in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen and amen. We want to encourage you to stay around for lunch today. Hope you will join us. It's going to be a fantastic afternoon. God bless you guys. Thank you once again for joining us at Legacy Church. Stay tuned in to our website for updates on events and check out other messages under the online listening tab. We'd love to see you, so join us Sundays at 1030 a.m. or Wednesdays at 630 p.m. Have a blessed day.